Time to Travel with Karen Key. And a very good evening to you and welcome to this week's edition of Time to Travel. Well, on the show this evening, we'll be heading off to the Robertson Wine Valley and I'll be speaking with Elizabeth Boerta, manager of the Robertson Wine Valley, about their upcoming hands-on harvest. Jeffrey Malazzi, owner of Malazzi Alexandra Tours, will be talking to us about his growing business and his very possible opportunity to visit the UK on a business and networking trip. And joining us in studio with Jeffrey will be Nalu Tutani, and she's a training and events coordinator with the Micro Enterprise Development Organisation team. Patrick Woodhead, Managing Director of White Desert, will be on the line, and he'll be telling us about their brand new ecological camp in Antarctica. And he'll also be chatting to us about some of their extraordinary tours, which could include a trip down to the South Pole itself. And then Amanda Kotzen-Schlapo, Executive Manager for the South African National Convention Bureau, will be joining us, and we'll be chatting about the upcoming Meetings Africa 2013, which will be taking place from the 18th to the 20th of February. And if you need any information about something you hear on Time to Travel this evening, you can find it on Facebook. Just go to Travel on SAFM. If you'd still like to contact me directly, you can do that by emailing me on travel at safm.co.za. Well, that's the lineup for this evening. I do hope you'll stay with me and enjoy the show here on SAFM. Time to Travel with Karen Key. Well, it's that time of year again, and Robertson is gearing up for the annual hands-on harvest. And joining me on the line this evening is Elisma Boerta, manager of the Robertson Wine Valley. Elisma, good evening. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Corin. Thanks so much for having me. Well, it's been a while since we chatted. Gosh, it seems like there's always something going on. And with the Christmas holidays, you were a little quiet out there in Robertson, but you're all rearing, no, rearing to go. The storm. At, well, I was about to say, it's all now all hands on deck and rearing to go. And uh, 22nd of February to the 24th of February is the annual hands-on harvest. What's happening this year, Elisma? Oh, the fantastic, fabulous um, festival again. I, I think the, the valley is gearing up very nicely. Harvest is a bit slow, or started a bit slow, but uh, after this heat wave we've been experiencing this week, um, it's really full on now. So the valley is absolutely beautiful with all these lovely smells of harvest hanging in the air. So we just can't wait to ha- um, get the people here and just uh, join uh, or join us and for this whole harvest experience and the magic of harvest. Now, it's not just for those who love their wine. I mean, it's a, it's a family time as well so i mean you can bring the kids oh yes definitely obviously uh, uh, the, all the farms or some of the farms are actually very care friendly but we rather go for the whole thing bring the family and also teach them about wine um and teach them because obviously what's more fun than getting into the vineyard um harvesting your own grapes uh, grapes and stomping them and to get all that sticky mess between your toes very therapeutic <laughs> So, no, the kiddies absolutely just love coming um, down for with a family. And I think it's just some quasi family time to, to enjoy it and enjoy the sunshine, enjoy nature. Um, and, and obviously it's an educational experience for both young and old and connoisseur and just the curious minded. Well, there's loads of things happening. I mean, there's a tractor trip through the vineyards. You can do a wine tasting trail on horseback or by horse and cart. I mean, there's the breakfast boat trip on the river. There's, you know, give us some idea of what's happening. I mean, there's so much. You couldn't go through it all. But some of the highlights, I've given a few of them. But what else is happening? Yeah, basically, you can go through the vineyards by foot, by bike, by horse, by tractor, anywhere you basically like. Um, like I, I just mentioned, the educational thing is obviously um, quite big for us. Just to show people exactly what, what if it does go into the bottle. So there's definitely loads of, of opportunities to get into the vineyard, especially with the single um, vineyard wines. 
then it's obviously very nice to see, oh, this is where the Sauvignon Blanc grows and actually gets harvest, and none other of no other grapes actually get added. So there, there's some lovely experiences where um, you get taken into the single vineyard and then actually um, there with some lovely canapes. There is, uh, as I mentioned, there's some vineyard tours. There's some bit more fun and quirky things like um, the, the grape es- or the grape escape is what we call it. But it's almost like an amazing race. So you can actually enter your team of four people and you will need to visit um, a few of the wine estates and do some tasks. And then obviously there's great prizes to be won. Then obviously come hungry because there's four course dinners, there's five course dinners, there's picnics, there's anything you can just think of and uh, imagine. When it's definitely not just grapes. We will be doing like grape, um, uh, grape-inspired menus, but then there's also anything from some steak brides by the riverside, which I think is going to be absolutely glorious. Like I mentioned, some picnics and then some interactive tastings as well. I think the interactive tastings with the winemakers are going to be top-notch. Well, we were down there a couple of years ago, and one of the things that we did was this grape versus wine thing, where you actually taste the grapes and at different stages, and you taste the wine that you know, with, you know diff- the wine at different stages, and the grapes that come from the wine, and that sort of thing. You having that again this year? Yes, we actually do have that. One of our properties that do uh, that does that on um, a boat on the river. Mm. So you actually just it doesn't get better than that. And obviously, we try to focus as a region on the Chardonnay grape, just because it does so well in our area. So that will be done with Chardonnay. But it really goes, um, there's a lot of properties that takes the whole thing through the whole process. Obviously, it, there is a time um, for the grapes it takes to, to ferment and all that. So you won't be able to go through the whole process from, from the beginning to the end. But there is, for instance, blending of wine. There is making your own cup classic where you basically um, get the chance to degorge and um, yeah, just cork in the whole thing. So you can take your own bottle of MCC with. Uh, with your home. So there's, there's loads of, of fun activities just to see exactly what journey the grapes takes from vine to the bottle. The or one, to the glass, I should say. The, the one thing that I always find so interesting about these kinds of things is that a lot of the estates that are open for the festivals like this are not normally open to the public. So you're going to be getting to see stuff you wouldn't normally do if you just went down to Robertson on a weekend. Oh, no, definitely, yeah, because the guys, they, they open up their hearts because it is in the middle of harvest. These guys, um, they start very, very early in the mornings, and they, and they stop really late at night. So and you actually get to see quite an intimate side because that is their hub, their, their harvest centers. So you get to see exactly where the action is happening. And like you said, it's not as if you can um, come on a normal weekend to come and see um, what the center looks like on, on all these farms. So the center tours are also going to be, um, I think, quite revealing. Um, and again, also with the vineyard tours, to actually see the soil and see the microclimate, it's going to be quite something. Well, now to book. Um, what about bookings? Is that on the handsonharvest.com website? Can they do all their bookings on that? Actually, we don't have an online facility. The reason for that is just because, um, to keep it simple, uh, we ask that you book with the wineries themselves. But the full program is, is uh, however, um, on the website, so that people can download it from there and just see the descriptions of each of the the, um, the wineries' activities and then also the contact details of all the wineries where they can book and, and pay for, for those that actually has a cost. And if they're looking for any other information like accommodation or what else there is to do in the area, which there are lots of things to do, and the RobertsonWineValley.com, oh, the general um, RobertsonWineValley.com website would have all that on it as well. Yes, or either, otherwise they can just drop me a mail or um, yeah, pick up the phone and give us a ring. And uh, how is the accommodation going, Elizabeth? Is there still time? I mean, it's almost time for the festival now. Is there still place available? 
You know what? Barely. I struggle to book a few of our own guests um, just because it's um, it's still summertime. It's high season. The valley is looking great. Uh, people actually still want to go out. So even though it's a small festival, our valley is packed with um, normal weekend visitors as well. So people should really not wait too long. Bookings for the Harvest Festival itself, those activities, that closes um, next Wednesday, the 20th of February. But um, I'd say as soon as you can, tomorrow morning, first thing, maybe just give the tourism offices a ring and ask them um, for to book accommodation for you. How many people are you expecting this year? Oh, it's always difficult to say. Um, it's with, because of the decentralized nature of the festival, and it's because it's not like a, really a ticket system. Um, we don't want to double uh, count people, but we usually say around 500 people. Um, so it's really a small and intimate event. We try to really keep it as hands-on as possible. We want to give you a memorable, a memorable experience. Well, it sounds like a lot of fun yet again. I mean, these things are always so popular, and um, I'm sure people are going to be coming in their droves again. Uh, good luck with it, Elizabeth, and have a lot of fun. I'm sure you will with all the uh, new visitors next, uh, well, in two weeks' time. Oh, definitely, and we can't wait to stick our toes in that sticky juice. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things I'm sure the kids would love, because they can go and do that on purpose, and no one's yeah, going to no, complain. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining us on the show this evening. Thank you so much for having me, Corinne. Thanks, Elisma. Good night. Elisma Boerter is the manager of the Robertson Wine Valley, and if you'd like more information, you can take a look at the website. It's www.handsonharvest.com. And for further inquiries or for accommodation, you can take a look at www.robertsonwinevalley.com. Or as Elisma says, if you're looking for accommodation, suggest you call them first thing in the morning. The number there at the office is 023-626-3167. Hi, I'm Valen Kirtley. I'm a Shake the World ambassador, which means that I support the 8 Millennium Development Goals set by the United Nations in 2000. Lime green, orange and dark green beads adorn my wrist because I support Goal 2, achieving primary education. Goal number 3, promoting gender equality and empowering women. And Goal 7, ensuring environmental sustainability. These are massive tasks which will need the energy of millions. My support is how I shake the world. How do you shake the world? Shake, shake. This is SAFM. Time to travel with Karen Key. Well, born and raised in, in Alex, Jeffrey Malazzi has always had a love for tourism and he was eager to give his hockey coach a tour around the township. Now, unbeknown to him, that one trip would result in his coach coming back with 16 of his friends so they could experience it too. And this was the seed that sprouted Malazzi Alexandra Tours in 2010. And now there's the possibility of him heading off to the UK on a business and networking trip. Well, joining us in the studio as well is Nalu Tutani, and she's a training and events coordinator with a micro-enterprise development organisation team, who, which is where Jeffrey is involved with to hopefully be going off to the UK. Jeffrey, Nalu, welcome. Thank you. Thank you right, I think, Nalu, let's start with you so we get some idea of where this all came from. Tell us a little bit about the Micro-Enterprise Development Corporation. Who are you and what do you do? The Micro-Enterprise Development Organization, we support entrepreneurs, we build their businesses. Basically, we answer four questions. Are you an entrepreneur? Are you looking to grow your business? Are you looking to import and export? That's where Jeffrey comes in. He's at a stage where he can uh, take his services to the UK and trade with the UK. So we've got a special program, which is the International Trade Program. For the other questions, we've got... um, 
business foundation skills program. We take the entrepreneurs through the business skills, and then hopefully they graduate to a next program, which is supplier development program. So Jeffrey is at a stage where he can actually go and trade in the UK. That's why we are here in Cape Town. I was going to ask you, what are you doing here? There's a boot camp. Tell me about this boot camp. The International Trade Program is supported by British Global Services, which is a sponsor. We are here in Cape Town. We are hosted by uh, University of Stellenbosch Executive Development. That's where we're having the bootcamp. We've been in Cape Town since Monday and we'll be here till Friday. So on Thursday, we're having a pitch. So Jeffrey will be one of the entrepreneurs that will be pitching their businesses to Corporate South Africa and also to the CEOs of uh, BT. Now, who decides who gets to go? Because, I mean, I was under the impression that Jeffrey was going, but he tells me when he arrived here earlier that there, it's a competition now. He's still very much in a competition. He's competing with uh, 14 other businesses. Right now, we've got 18 candidates out of those 12. It's uh, it's. It's businesses with one individuals and the other three, it's businesses with business partners. So how many of them will actually be going? 15 entrepreneurs. Okay, so it's quite a few. It's going. quite a few that will be going. So uh, Jeffrey is one of the candidates, but who decides that uh, who's going? Mm. It would be the judges, people that will be coming to uh, listen to the pitch, which is on Thursday. But the pitch on Thursday is a build up to a bigger pitch in Johannesburg. Oh, right. So this is just the start almost. This is a start. I think we would say maybe it's a rehearsal for them to prepare for the bigger pitch. In oh, Jordan my goodness. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it would be uh, Corporate South Africa and uh, British Global Services that will decide oh, wow. who's okay. uh, going. Obviously, Mido will also say who's going, but it's all up to the entrepreneurs. Okay, I want to get onto what they're going to be doing when they get there. But before we do that, I'd like to just speak to Jeffrey with this amazing story. Tell us about this. I mean, this is something you've been passionate about, tourism, and you've got this wonderful business now, this thriving business in Alexandria. Tell us about that. Oh, uh, well, uh, I'm, I'm offering bicycle tours in Alexandria Township in Johannesburg. Um, it's one of the oldest townships in Johannesburg, and it has a very beautiful history behind it. You know, such uh, people such as Mr. Nelson Mandela, they first, when they first came, came to Johannesburg, they arrived in Alexandria, stayed outside for, for, for some time. Uh, so uh, I take people on a bike throughout the township. Uh, it's very safe. I have to highlight on that. It's very safe. I do safe tours. I've been doing this for three years now, which I'm turning to, five, to four this year. Um, I offer Pascal tours where you get to drink umkomboti, umkomboti, the traditional beer, you know, dance, they just have fun and interact with, 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 with uh, the township people, uh, which gives um, the people in the township, and because, uh, you know, what happens is we bring tourists in the township on a car. Uh, which does not have that feeling, you know, they don't feel that sense of what they want in the township. So when you win the bike, you get to have that feeling of the township. That's why you do it in a bike. So tell me how how this I mean started. I mean, I mentioned that your hockey coach, you took him on a little turn. He liked that. So he brought his friends. What gave you the idea then to suddenly develop this into a business? Well, uh, I've, I've liked cycling a lot. I've, I've played hockey. And since I've played hockey, I was, I was a captain and I cycled, I ramped. So I had two bikes. Uh, so I saw his friends, because it was 20, 2010 World Cup, then he had uh, French people coming in and going, so I had to, um, and coach, is it possible that you can bring two of them again? And I, I have my bicycles, and then um, they paid, they paid the, the first group, uh, they paid 2,400 rand, I bought two bikes with that money, and uh, well, uh, my mother helped uh, with buying some of the bikes. Uh, then 
I started to market the the, the business. You know, it was uh, not that good because uh, you know I would go to to Santon there uh, with my flyers, and uh, this guy from Alexander, well, he's not safe, Alexander. You know, <laughs> well, uh, I would uh, they would when I just give them flyers, just throw the flyers at the pin when immediately when I go out. But uh, there was a guy I was liking. I got a guy who called me. They saw the flyers. He called me, uh, and then Jeff, I'd like to book a tour. You know, uh, when they booked the tour, luckily it was a KLM crew. A KLM crew, which is a Dutch airline, you know, they liked the tour a lot. They talked to their friends about it and the airline crew about it, which actually ran through over the, the, the airline. I started having the airline crew every week for the, almost almost two years now. I'm having an airline uh, tour crew every week, and um, I'm I've, I'm having a lot of tourists uh, coming from uh, other hotels. But uh, the biggest thing, this um, uh, the the UKTI uh, the 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 program from for Miro will give me is. Um, because there is a very big number of tourists coming in South Africa every year. There is a very big number of tourists coming in South Africa that are from UK. And then most of the, the tourists, they get the information from the traditional traditional uh, tour operators, tour agencies in, in, in the UK. So um, what happens is they book the tours before they even come to South Africa. So um, they come prepared in LX, in South Africa. So uh, when they get here, they just add on us, you know. But then that's why I don't have enough customers for now. I always uh, have two or three times uh, tours in a week, which I, if I have that opportunity to go to UK, I can market my business at that side. People can book the tours from that side, which will make a very big uh, business from there. How many people can you take at a time? How many bikes do you have? Well, um, I started with uh, two bicycles, as I said, and I have 24 bicycles now. I can take maximum of 15 people on a bike. So it, if you have a, a very big group, we can divide the bikes to two different groups where we have two guides on, uh, uh, two guides on each group. And our uh, security purposes, we have um, the SAPS, uh, we have a letter with us. They don't go with us, but uh, they just travel the same route that we take uh, to make it safe with safety because you cannot just guarantee safety that uh, in such in this kind of place there is safety, you know. Uh, but well, um, I can say uh, I've been doing this and this very well. That's fantastic. Mm. But now there's a new development. You're going to be putting cameras on your bike. Well, Tell me about that. That's, <laughs> is that coming? That's, that's well, coming in the future? Or is that happening oh, soon, soon now? It's, it's happening. It's happening. Okay, so tell me. Tell me about the cameras uh, on the bikes. Well, I wanted to be unique from uh, other tourism uh, industries, in, uh, in tourism companies, you know. I actually installed cam uh, cameras on my bike, you know, to, to actually give uh, that uh, that excitement on the tour you know uh, when you 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 you're on the tour you want people at back home, at home to see what you're going to to, to what were you, were you doing in south africa so um the people can log on youtube uh see our our the videos and show their children uh which is is now working as uh, our um our our marketing tool because uh, it is there the camera the cameras are there and then after the tour we put the camera the 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 thing on the YouTube so we have a bigger plan about the cameras so I just don't want to reveal the whole plan. Sounds <laughs> exciting! Gosh, okay. So now, now yeah. do tell me when they get to the UK. Hopefully, Jeffrey will be one of them. What are they going to be expected to do when they get there? Hopefully, Jeffrey will be one of them. Well, we're all holding our fingers crossed here, hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> yes, when they get to the UK, we're going to uh, first start off in Cambridge. We're going to the Anglia Ruskin University. We'll be there for three days. They'll go through another program to prepare them for their pitches with potential investors that they are planning to meet in the UK. The whole idea is that they book appointments with other companies in the UK before they go there. So that when they, they do get that there, themselves. they do that themselves. Okay. But we are assisting them at the moment, preparing them to go to the UK. So they will be going to um, 
to University of Cambridge first in Cambridge. Then they'll also be going to South Africa House in London to meet uh, the South African High Commissioner and Trade Commissioner. Then they'll also be going to a networking event at BT Global Services. And they'll also uh, go to visit other incubators that are in the UK. Then from there, they're going to go to an IT research center for British uh, Global Services that is in Ipswich. So that's what they'll be doing. And then the last few days in London, they'd be expected to go attend their meetings with the people that they've arranged meetings with prior leaving to the UK. Now, this is the second time that Mido has actually organized one of these trips. Yes. And it was very successful the first time. The first time it was very successful. We took a still, we took a number of 15 entrepreneurs and we, we had a, a few successful stories. We had uh, one entrepreneur that went and pitched their business. We had a couple, but this is a more successful story. They went and pitched their business and secured business. Then they came back. And then after a year, they managed to sell their business for a couple of millions. Oh, my goodness, Jeffrey. And then, <laughs> yeah. amazing. I look up to this guy. <laughs> and yeah. actually, he has applied for this program. He's going back again, again. For, with another business idea that he's got. Oh, he's wow. now working on mm. now. Okay. Gosh, that sounds incredible. It is very yeah, it incredible. Is. Now, the, the, you say he's applied again it's to, on this one, or applications are open for next next year. The, the, he's the next applied. One. He's on this one. Okay. But applications are open for the next one. We have one once a year. Okay. So people, people are interested. I'll give out the website. It's um, medo m e d o dot c o dot z a, and all that information and the application forms are on the website. Is available in the website. They just need to fill in the application. It will come through to us, and then we will contact them. Okay, so Jeffrey, that when when your hockey coach arrived for the first time, when you took him around on his on your bicycle, did you imagine yourself being almost ready to go off to the UK at some point, three years down the line? Uh, well, uh, my my dream, my biggest dream, uh, uh, always uh, wanted to be a play hockey player. That's my well, I like to uh, hockey a lot. Uh, but now I'm still coaching it. I have a team, Alexandra Hockey Club, uh, which is very nice. Um, but then um, I, I wanted to be a farmer. You know, strange. <laughs> very different to this. Yeah, it's very strange. <laughs> I wanted to be a farmer. Uh, initially, I, was, I wanted to have my own business, but the farmer, I, I actually grew up liking cattle, you know. I used to tell my mother that I want to take uh, cows, you know, all those kind of things. But then um, uh, my coach came with other 14 people, and I remember we were having lunch um, at, uh, in Alexandra. The, the two of the guys, uh, they said, Jeff, you know, this is a nice idea, you know. I'm just starting a business out of this. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm still at school, you know. <laughs> uh, but then uh, after two days, I saw, man, this is nice. And because I'm doing it on a bike, which is something else. Uh, I actually blew, blew up and people started liking it. I started like, being addicted to it. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about the tour itself. People arrive. How long is the tour? Now, the tour is different. We have two packages. Uh, we have two and a half tour. Uh, two and a half tour. Uh, there is two hills. Uh, there is two hills on the on the tour, and the rest is, th is downhill. So you have to work hard to go up and then <laughs> the downhill. Down okay. Um, so uh, the the two uh, the tour we actually have introduction where we intro introduce ourselves and we go to to the drink umkomboti the traditional beer and we visit heritage sites in Alexander such as the house of uh, Samora Michel, uh, the president of Mozambique uh, and the history behind it and we actually interact with the community you know in the, in the Alexandra which is uh, you can stop and take as many pictures as you like as long as you talk to the people and communicate to the people and we actually uh, 
drive through the hostel. Uh, the hostel is, is not a place which uh, you just pay and sleep for that night. You know, it's a place which was built to separate men and women in those days, mm. uh, which is a, is a very uh, uh, history behind it. So we actually and then go to the house of Tata Nelson Mandela in the two and a half hour tour. And then in the four and a half hour tour, we actually add some stops um, depending on which kind of tourists we're, we're talking to. And uh, if we have the KLM crew, of course, we cannot take the, the four hour tour because they don't have to drink yeah. umkombo mm. tea and um, they don't have to drink uh, before they fly. So we, uh, if there is a four-hour tour, we actually have to drink the Heineken. The, 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 um, there is a stop where we actually drink uh, the South African beer such as um, Castle Light, uh, Castle, uh, Black Label, uh, just to have the South African feeling on the Chapin, and we just to have that African feeling and the township feeling in, in Alexandra. Do you stop for a meal at all anyway? Yes, we, we do. And for our tour, we have a uh, break where we uh, uh, eat uh, the township lunch. Uh, the township lunch is a quarter, as uh, a quarter of a bread with uh, fries inside, which actually represent uh, the township, you know, with different ethnic groups, you know, where you have uh, Indian the side, uh, color the side, and all those kind of things. But then we eat this, this quarter and then just have fun, yeah, the township style. And now, what everybody always wants to know what about shopping? Shopping. Shopping. Well, there um, lots of things to buy. People are shopping. <laughs> uh, well, um, <laughs> Do you stop for the, to let them buy anything? Is there shopping available? Uh, next, to Mandela, next to Mandela's house, uh, there is an art uh, where we can, where most of the people who are coming come, come to Alexander, they do buy art. They have art, uh, they buy a lot of art aside. And uh, I think that's the shopping we do, you know. Uh, but they sometimes do requ they do request to, to just walk after the tour to walk around uh, the, 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 the mall, which is very busy and uh, they have the shop, the music. Because on the tour we sing, you know, there's this part where we sing uh, such the, the, the songs of Mrs. Miriam Makeba, Huma Sekela, mm. you know, just to remind the, 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 the history of Alexandra. So uh, what happens is um, we will, uh, the tourists will end up asking, can we just go and shop for the music, you know, which is nice. Uh, we end up doing that. How has the community um, taken to something like this? Well, it must, it's great for them though, because I mean, mm. it brings business into the area as well. Mm. So I mean, how are they feeling about all of this? I, I, for first time, I thought it was going to be a bad reaction, uh, you know, when I was trying it like, like the first years, you know. But actually, it actually brings the self-esteem, you know, to, to, to people, uh, the community of living in, living in Alexander. They never had uh, anyone doing tourism in a bike. All the bike, all the tours used to be on a minibus taxi with the clo windows closed and the button, you know, because, you mm. know, we have this um, myth of saying, ah, Alexander is not, it's very unsafe, you know, those kind of things. But then I, I came with this idea of putting tourists on the bike, you know, where the people can interact with tourists, which is uh, something nice. You get to know about the stories outside Alexander, outside South Africa, which gives you self-esteem and builds your self-esteem. And uh, it's nice. And people are getting jobs from this. Uh, I've employed three people. And uh, we go and buy combo tea, we go and buy quarter from this, we buy art from this, we buy everything, we buy fruits, you know, which is nice. It's uh, bringing capital into South Africa and Alexandra. But this is the way tourism is moving at the moment, is that people are looking for what they call authentic experiences. They don't want to sit on a tour bus and look out the window anymore. Exactly. They yeah. want to actually come to a country anywhere in the world and understand what life is like. And this is exactly what you're offering. Exactly. The authentic South African experience. It's one of the biggest opportunities, mm. you know. Mm. 
So, no, but I mean, this is a, it must be a wonderful job you have, what, looking at all these amazing <laughs> people with these fantastic <laughs> ideas. And I mean, I, I, I was sitting there thinking, I wish I'd come up with some of those ideas, you know. <laughs> but amazing. It, it, yeah. it is a, a, an amazing experience. You meet uh, different entrepreneurs every day. They've got different ideas because we interview all of the entrepreneurs that come into our program. So to sit there and listen to all the stories and all the ideas, it's very exciting. And we actually convinced that what we're doing is actually is it is the right thing to do to assist the entrepreneurs, help them grow their businesses and build their businesses. So this opportunity to go to the UK, it will make a huge difference in in their lives and also for their businesses. Now, the ones that don't get to go, um, do you still follow up with them? Do you offer them any support after the boot camp now? We will still offer support because we've got other programs that are for businesses that want to grow. A supplier development program, that's what we're running at the moment. We're also running the, the program for the UK trip. So there's more for everyone. And with all the guys that are on this program that won't be able to make it to the UK, they, they will still have the experience and the knowledge that they got from the boot camp that they can still apply in future. So it's not a case of if you don't make it now, that's the end of you. Then there is you a lose. Follow on. There is a follow-on. So there is something to go on. Yes. So um, you said, how many applications did you have? Because I said you said there were 18, I think, at the boot camp now. We, we had hundreds of applications. Oh, okay. So from that, we had to choose uh, about 30. Then we went through uh, an interview process, which happened both in Cape Town and Johannesburg. So in Cape Town, we, we selected uh, six candidates, and then we had two from Devon, and the, uh, the remainder comes from Johannesburg. Gosh, and what other sort of businesses? I mean, I'm listening to, to what Jeffrey's doing. Just a brief idea of some of the other business opportunities. All the business that are on the program are from the ICT sector. Jeffrey is on the program because he's got an IT element on, on his business. With the cameras he's got and the things. cameras mm. and he's also planning to install navigating systems and he's also looking to grow his business. He's got other ideas that he'd like to follow up in the UK. So he's almost an exception then. Well, <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, he is. So most of the companies, it's web, de desi mm. web designers, uh, app designers, developers, and people that are into IT infrastructure. So he's unique then, because he's got he, the tourism angle and unique. the IT as He well. is very unique. Yesterday when we were at the boot camp, one of the entrepreneurs commented that, you know what, Jeffrey, what I love about your business is that it's authentic. It's there. You can see it. You can touch it. With ours, it's an app that's somewhere <laughs> in the cloud or something that we're building but mm. it's not something that we you can, can really see or touch. touch. Absolutely. Yes. But all the businesses are unique and all the businesses will get a chance to go to the UK if they get through the big pitch and they win to go to the are UK. Are you practicing, Jeffrey? Hey. You're practicing hard, hey? I slept at 2 o'clock yesterday. <laughs> he's very nervous at the moment because he's got a pitch tomorrow. Is it tomorrow? Pitch. Yes. Oh, I have yes. to wear my first suit. Oh, well, there you go. Is it just one pitch here now and then mm. another one in Joburg? Or how many do you do uh, now? We're yeah. having one pitch now. It's at the University of Stellenbosch mm -hmm. de uh, Executive Development. We're having it at uh, Funderhorst Building tomorrow at 4. It's not open to the public, but we've invited uh, a couple of delegates, British delegates, and also corporate South Africa. So this is the smaller pitch. We're having the bigger pitch. That's now I'm scary. scaring you. Big eyes looking at him now. We're having a bigger pitch on the 27th back in uh, Joburg. And you're going to mm. do very well, Jeffrey. 
hopefully. Yeah. We're going to all keep our fingers uh, crossed tomorrow. Uh, four o'clock. Uh, four o'clock. <laughs> fingers crossed. All of you listening out there, <laughs> wish Jeffrey well at four o'clock tomorrow. Awesome. Jeffrey and Nolly, thank you so much for joining us on the show this evening. It's been wonderful chatting with both of you. And it sounds like a wonderful opportunity. Hopefully you'll be going off to the UK very soon. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. Thank you, Rosanna. Thank Steven. you, Karen. And Nolly, Thanks thank you. And good us. luck and, and, and carry on with the good work. It sounds like you guys are doing amazing work there. Thank you. Thanks so much for your time. Jeffrey Malazzi is the owner of Malazzi Alexandra Tours and Nolu Tutani is a training and events coordinator with a micro-enterprise development organization. Now, if you'd like to find out more about the organization, you can take a look at the website. As she said, the application forms are there for the next one. It's www.medo, that's M-E-D-O.co.za. And if you'd like to book a tour with Jeffrey, take a look at his website. It's www.alexandratours.co.za. .co.za and he's given me a number. Is this where they can book, Jeffrey? Mm. It's 011, what is it? 057 um, 067 SAFM interacts on every level. Visit our website at safm.co.za. Follow us on Twitter at SAFM Radio or simply like our Facebook page, SAFM Radio. I like it. Let's have the conversation. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Time to travel with Karen Key. Well, South Africa is now one of the world's emerging giants in business event hosting. But while South Africa's major events credentials are firmly established, there remains much potential to win a bigger share of the global and regional business event market. To be held from the 18th to the 20th of February this year, Meetings Africa 2013, a business events trade show, will take on a distinct and proudly pan-African flavor under the theme of Advancing Africa Together. Amanda Kotzen-Schlapo is the executive manager of the South African National Convention Bureau and she joins me now. Amanda, good evening. Welcome to the show. Good evening. Thank you so much for the opportunity. So this Meetings Africa 2013, for those who aren't terribly aware of what it is, just tell us a little bit about what Meetings Africa is all about and what you're hoping to achieve. Yes, Meetings Africa um, is a, um, 2013 is a, really a platform where we offer partnership and um, to, to the hosted buyer, you know, from overseas or local hosted buyers to actually meet our industry and not just the South African industry, but also the African industry that, um, that trade in business events. And um, that is anything from hotels, venues, service providers, and it's really there to showcase um, Africa and South Africa as the place to hold your meeting. Yes. And um, we really need, well, what we really want to achieve is to attract more business, business events, you know, more conferences to, to our country. Um, annually, there's um, more or less 10,000 um, associations that rotate worldwide. And, you know, Africa um, really only hosts uh, 304 of those. Um, and uh, South Africa, 86, you know. Um, and, of course, not all 10,000 can come to our continent, but at least I would say 3,000 of those can because they rotate worldwide. And we just want to get a bigger slice of the business. Now, business tourism has become quite um, a thing in the, over the last couple of years because something like conferences and meetings, I mean, they bring a lot of revenue into the country. How much do these events bring in annually, more or less, Amanda? You know, more or less, with all the with the whole industry, it more or less bring um, like one three point two billion um, rent. Um, in and you know, we really want to grow it to much more, of course. But um, it is 
it is a high-end um, income of tourism um, because the people that travel, I always say that, you know, they don't pay out of their own pocket, so they always have more money to spend when they get here. <laughs> that's always the way the company's paying, you know. So. Yes, uh, yeah, no, that's a good way. You know, when you go to a conference, it's not you paying, and that really brings, you know, they spend more or less 2,800 um, rand a day, whilst incentive um, people groups 5,000 a day, you know, and the wow. normal tourist only 1,000 rand. So um, it is really for us uh, beneficial, I believe, for the economy um, to attract these meetings. And the one thing about South Africa, if you're coming here for a conference or a big meeting of whatever kind, the other thing is that people will come for that, but then they won't just come for that. Hopefully they will actually go and, and explore the rest of the country. So our tourism yes. figures grow as well, which I'm Absolutely. sure makes South Africa a really good destination for hosting conferences. Yes. You know, we, we have a figure that, that say to us that 40% of all people um, that is a delegate bring actually a company person to our country. And, you know, it's that once-in-a-lifetime destination. And um, and so that's definitely true what you're saying. Um, definitely more people. And because they're coming with a company person, we then get them to go right through the country to do all kinds of experiences and stay on for two or three days after the conference. So you then have these people in for a week instead of just the four days of the conference. Now, we've actually hosted some really big events here in South Africa. Do these actually help us when you say now you're looking to increase the numbers quite significantly? Um, what, which of those events would you say stand out and are, you can basically use those as an example of what we can do here? Yeah, you know, I think the, the most recent one is COP17, um, you know, with the 20,000 people mm. that um, came down to Durban. Um, I really think that it actually demonstrates and profile our destination with everything that we can offer, you know, from the service providers, the venue, you know, the Durban ICC. Um, so that one definitely, um, you know, is one that we always will use on our track record. But then also we host many medical conference, conferences. Um, one that is just also coming up now is a pediatric um, cardiology, and they will bring 3,000 of those specialists into our country. Um, and then, of course, you know, the biggest one to date um, for Cape Town, for instance, was diabetes in 2006, I think it was. Um, you know, that was 12,000 people. Um, so, yeah, you know, we, I think we can host them and we are ready to host them. And then we cannot put away the fact that, you know, the, um, that we hosted FIFA World Cup. And I think even if FIFA World Cup is a sporting event, all the side events actually demonstrated that South Africa is so able, you know, to host big um, events. What is the South African National Convention Bureau doing to actually try and win more of these events and conferences for us here in South Africa? You know, I think it, it, the most important thing is that we are working with our, um, you know, with our people, you know, with the industry. Um, we recently um, at our SARCI conference, the South Africa Association for Conference Industry, we signed a pledge winners one. And that was really to say that this strategy that the National Convention Bureau, you know, put out there are really the strategy for our country. And we all pledged that we will work towards, you know, meeting those objectives and bringing in more people. Because the one thing that I want to say about these events, it isn't just about all about um, just the money that they bring in or the numbers. It is also about the knowledge economy. You know, when you have a nation that is knowledgeable, we will make money. And um, and what it basically boils down to is that if I, like, for instance, the 3,000 cardiologists, suddenly we can bring in, you know, people um, from our destination that didn't have to go now to uh, or don't have to go to uh, London or wherever it is hosted, you know, the next time, or Brisbane like it was last time, but they have it here. So where you could go, maybe 50 people there, now we can bring in 500 of our local people to brush shoulders with the best in the world.
Because it's, it's actually, it's a lot bigger. I don't think people realize the ramifications of, of hosting these conferences here. You just think, oh, well, there's lots of people coming into the country. But there's so many spin-offs from that that yes. are to our benefit as well. Now, you, yes. mentioned, you mentioned the fact that we hosted COP17. How important yes. are things like the environmental and social issues to the industry? You know, I think extremely important. I think we, of course, we are contributing to the carbon footprint, as you can imagine, mm. but we then definitely have, um, you know, all kind of ideas um, to set it off. Um, and one of the things that we do at Meetings Africa, the Greening Forum, um, we open actually, you know, the bond day that we call Business Opportunity Networking Day, um, you know, just before the show, um, where they actually have a Greening Forum meeting and, you know, with objectives to see what is, what is the minimum standards that we need to set actually for these international organizers that come into our country and, you know, and do their meetings. And then I have to, um, you know, also comment uh, um, our centers and our venues because they, they really go out there, you know, the Sandton Convention Center has certain, you know, environmentally responsible business by the um, by programs, Cape Town International Convention Center from the beginning, they were built you know, purposefully to be a green um, destination, um, you know. And so we also look at the leading car um, rental company, Avis, you know, that also has a global carbon neutral accreditation just recently. Um, green stand awards that we have, you know, at Meetings Africa to really push for people to, to, to sign up for responsible tourism. Um, we also say, you know, put it out there to our um, local youth, local suppliers, LED lightning, you know, if you, if you have a standard package that is what will come to you. Do less hand out, you know, if you can, be responsible with it. Um, ensure that your branding can be reusable. We are using, you know, some of our branding this year at Meetings Africa, again from, you know, from last year. And then the other thing is use the whole brain, you know, 15 minutes. I cannot say to you, change my life, I have to say. As a Catonian being in Johannesburg, it changed my life. And, um, you know, bottled water, rather water coolers. Um, we have the third best water in the world. Um, why can't we just open the tap and drink those water? I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more. Amanda, it sounds like you're going to be having a wonderful time at this meeting and lots of lots of interesting information hopefully coming out. But thank you very much indeed for joining us on the show this evening and good luck with the uh, Meetings Africa 2013 coming up on the 18th of February. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Amanda, Goodbye. good night. Amanda Kotzen Schlapo is the executive manager of the South African National Convention Bureau. Now, Meetings Africa 2013 will be taking place from the 18th to the 20th of February. And if you'd like to find out more about the Meetings Africa, you can take a look at their website. It's www.meetings, plural, meetingsafrica.co.za. Time to travel with Karen Key. So how's that bucket list of yours coming along for 2013? Well, I've got something that I'm sure you hadn't thought of putting on there until tonight, but I'm going to give you something else to put on your bucket list. Could possibly be the only thing you ever do in your life. This this is just going to be fabulous. Well, joining us this evening is Patrick Woodhead, and he's the managing director of White Desert. Now, you might remember a while ago, they took people down to the Antarctic to go just for the day from Cape Town. It was the most amazing trip down there, but now they've got a camp set up. Patrick, good evening welcome to the show hi good evening so you've now set up this brand new ecological camp tell me a little bit about what is actually there now we've established a a slightly more permanent camp so instead of tents we're now using these special fiberglass igloos um, that are about 20 foot wide and they have a toilet and sort of ensuite facility and a couple of beds and very heated and warm and nice 
So it's, it's suddenly moving from quite a sort of polar explorer mountaineering uh, setup into something a bit more luxury and a little bit more accessible for people who aren't, I guess, wanting too much cold and hardship. Now, you've actually got them located. I mean, you people think about Antarctic and, or, or the Arctic or the Antarctic. You, you, all you think is, well, you just see white snow and that's it. But you've actually got them in quite an amazing spot where you have a view, a fabulous view of something other than just snow. Uh, well, I'm, I'm a big fan of snow, so uh, uh, my, I guess my sort of uh, perspective is a bit warped. But there's, uh, yeah, we, our, our camp sits over this frozen lake, and then in front of it is this 200-foot massive icefall that's just sort of iridescent blue ice. And then where we are is a, is a place called the Shimaka Oasis, which is about a seven-kilometer outcrop of rock that has all sorts of beautiful uh, ice caves and tunnels and amazing rock climbing and views. So there's, there's, uh, the perception is, as you say, complete white and sort of uh, freezing cold. But actually where we are, we're at 71 degrees latitude. So the ambient temperature uh, without the wind is sort of minus 5-ish to minus 10. So it's not too bad. And there are an amazing, amazing, amazing views out there. Right, so now if people want to go off, you have these eight-day tours that go down there, and you have a quite a limited number of people. You only take a maximum of 12 people per trip, which is fabulous because you don't want to overdo or tax, overtax the area. I mean, you, you, that's one of the things. It's one of the last surviving pristine parts of the world. You're absolutely right. It's a really important point to do the tourism very, very small. And really, there's, there's that, the impact. The other side is that we have a very different... Uh, spectrum of clients. Uh, some, like we had Bear Grylls coming in and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. And so he was obviously high octane wanting to do the kite skiing that we offer, the climbing, the abseiling and all that sort of stuff. On the other end of the spectrum, we had an eight-year-old girl come into the camp and she stayed for a week and we were doing things like the walks down to the ice tunnel and very gentle activities. So by only having 12 people on the thing, on the, on the trip, we have six staff and we're able to sort of split up each day and, and really sort of tailor it to the individual. So what do you take people to do? I mean, you, I know you can go off to the mountains, but you can also go down to the South Pole. You can go to the South Pole, which is uh, uh, quite a long flight across the high polar plateau. That's one of the main aspects of our trips is reaching the lowest point on Earth. The other one is that we have this incredible emperor penguin colony. So the emperors are just phenomenal, and they're the only penguins that obviously stay over winter in Antarctica. And by flying in, uh, we're able to get there very early in the season. Um, the cruise ships can only see emperor penguins much later. So we get to see them when the chicks are very small. We've got the whole colony basically to ourselves. It's just a phenomenal, phenomenal thing. So what are the logistics of actually getting there in the first place? Uh, the logistics are terrifying, um, <laughs> mind-bogglingly complicated, which basically leads to the price tag. But essentially flying from Cape Town International to uh, directly south to Novo Runway, uh, which is uh, a Russian-made runway uh, that's been there since the 1960s, uh, an ice runway. We land on there, and then there's two DC-3 turboprop planes that then are like, if you imagine, internal taxis. So they then fly people to um, you know, the Emperor Penguins or to the South Pole 
uh, and other stuff around because we have all sorts of different tours and uh, and amazing scenic points that we access via these planes. The one thing that I think I, I was quite shocked to to discover was how short, in in real terms, the short the flight is from Cape Town to get there. Before you obviously have to taxi off on the internal taxis, but just to get there, it's only what about five and a half hours or something. Exactly right, five and a half hours, uh, Cape Town to Novo, uh, and then that's where our camp is basically set up. And we have these specialist 4x4s that then drive on the snow to our camp. And we're sort of secluded away from the runway in this very this sort of quiet area. And then we, we obviously do our activities like the penguins and stuff where we'll need to get back onto the, the planes and then go to a different lo- uh, locality. Now, when you go down to the pole, though, you, do, you spend a night down there because, it is quite, as you said, it's quite a long flight. So you don't, it's not a day trip down there. You actually spend a night out there on, on the pole. Yeah, we spend a, a night at the South Pole, and there's a, a, a modern sort of uh, mountaineering-style camp there. And you're actually really only spending about eight hours at the South Pole or, or just by the South Pole resting before you fly back the next day, whereas our main camp is obviously much uh, heavier and much more built up to be far more comfortable and just a, a much easier place to, to hang out in. What sort of, I mean, I know we spoke about this a little earlier, but the impact of, of tourism on, on a place like this, I mean, you must go to great lengths to make quite sure that any impact is, is minimalized. We go to huge lengths. We're governed by the British government to ensure that we do keep it incredibly limited and also, you know, everything is flown back out of Antarctica. Our camp is a, is a temporary camp. It's all run on solar power. Uh, all the waste is removed and taken out of Antarctica via the same plane. So, you know, we, we, we go to pretty extraneous lengths. But, you know, this is, as, as you said before, this is the last great wilderness, and it's very important that it's protected. And I think that, you know, by going in with very small numbers of people uh, doing the tourism right, I think we can, you know, we can successfully achieve that. I mean, you, you are a carbon neutral award winner, so you, you understand what needs to be done. And because I think people worry a little bit about something like that and thinking, well, you know, if you're going to be bringing hordes of tourists in here, um, you know, what's going to end up happening to the place? But the other thing that I know you've mentioned to me before is that you can't go throughout the year. So you've, you've got a limited time within the year that you can actually get in and out of there with the tourists. Absolutely. The, the Antarctic summer is basically really we only operate November, December and parts of January. And that's when it's 24 hours sunshine. Uh, the weather is sort of minus five to minus 10. So it's pretty clement. And then after that period in February, it really starts to shut down. And that, you get the 24 hours of darkness and uh, 200 mile an hour wind. And it's basically a terrifying place that no one goes into apart from the crazy scientists still stuck in their science bases. How fit does someone have to be to go on one of these excursions with you, Patrick? Because, you know, there are quite a lot of things to be done. You don't want to sit there in your little pod for the entire time you're there. You don't want to sit in the pod. um, But likewise, it's a reality that, you know, some people are fitter than others. And so, again, going back to keeping it small, having six staff for 12 clients, and it, and it means, you know, some people we go for a, literally a walk and a picnic uh, to an amazing viewpoint or something like that. Other people, uh, uh, they want to kite ski and rock climb and do all the sort of crazy stuff all day long. And our poor guides get absolutely exhausted, <laughs> but actually they love it. So, um, yeah. So really, in terms of you just need a basic level of fitness, you know, really basic. And as I said, you know, we've had... In fact, we've had an 82-year-old lady come on the trip and we've had an 8-year-old girl. So it just goes to show that, you know, you can still do a lot of fun stuff even if you're not, you know, hugely sort of marathon runner sort of fit. Have you had a good response to the launch of all these tours out there? 
We have had a good response. We've been going seven years now, so it, uh, it's slowly racked up, and we're getting a little bit better and a little bit slicker, and our camp is certainly getting a lot more comfortable and a lot more luxurious, and, and I think that's a nice thing because when people are out in the elements and you know, they've gone for a long trek, they may not be used to that kind of thing. They've seen some amazing stuff, but they really want to relax in comfort, and, uh, and that's where the camp really comes into its own. So this camp, is, it's now open, it's been launched. If, if people are going to go now in the, in the coming year, they would stay at this new camp that you've put up? They're absolutely. I mean, what a lot of our clients often do is uh, a lot aren't from South Africa, actually. They're, they're international. So they'll come in and um, through Mantis, they'll organize a safari or something in, in Africa, in Southern Africa, and then they'll come uh, with us into Antarctica. So it's nicknamed the hardest trip to pack for is you've got to do oh, safari <laughs> plus polar in one suitcase which hopefully you bring the right suitcase to the airport otherwise you're giving a lot of trouble gosh yeah, they, as you say yeah, it is quite difficult because they're coming into our summer if they're coming out here november december january and uh, hot hot weather and uh, so all skimpy clothes but then they need arctic gear for it is, it, is a, it, is a, it is bizarre, you know, leaving Cape Town International with furry boots and a pair of skis on your shoulder and you get some odd, uh, odd sort of looks from the, the ladies at the check-in desk, that's no, for sure. I'm sure you do. And, and Patrick, the thing about your website, it gives people in a, in a full itinerary of exactly what you do on each day on each of these different trips and also what to pack and um, what not, what is included, what isn't included. And uh, one of the things I, I rather enjoyed reading, that uh, polar clothing of these items can be purchased on your behalf by a member of the White Desert team, which might not be such a bad idea because you guys would know exactly what people need to pack. Yes, we've had a couple of instances where we've had a little bit of communication issue with uh, uh, one of our uh, Chinese clients who turned up with a, a couple of thin sort of Gucci jumpers and a wash bag. <laughs> And um, we sort of politely said, come on, let's go shopping. And uh, I think Max out his credit card as, uh, as uh, we bought him Gore-Tex trousers and the whole thing. So um, uh, there's actually a great uh, company called Drifters in Cape Town that, that supply this stuff. So they come along to our safety briefing and then they kit out all the clients. And uh, I think that's very much part of the that realization that they're going you know it's, mm. it, it's always quite esoteric and uh, and quite sort of surreal when you're planning but i think the moment when they get into cape town and then they're trying on the big jackets and stuff you know they get really excited because you know they're finally going and, it, and, it, and it's uh you know, very, very few people get to stand in Antarctica. And it's, Absolutely. Um, it's a very special place. So it's, and it's amazing that you think that you just, you know, you're looking out of sort of, I think, is it, uh, I always get my geography wrong in Cape Town. Is it Musenberg or Nordic Beach where you're looking south? And, um, and just beyond that ocean, there's this incredible world down there. It sounds absolutely fabulous. And Patrick, I'm assuming that as the MD of uh, White Desert, you, you've been there more than once. I'm very spoiled in that regard. Mm. I get to... I get to go to Antarctica an awful lot, and it's amazing how even if you're going there for work and even if you're, you know, tired and all those things that associate with actually, you know, working down there, you still have these moments where you stop and just go, wow, you know, it's these oceans of ice and these ice tunnels and things that you get to see on a daily basis, and it's... Um, I'm very, very spoiled. Very lucky. You know, I talk to a number of travel people on the show, and I mean, people go to a place more than once. They become just a little blasé. This doesn't sound like the kind of place, no matter how many times you go, you could ever become blasé about this. Well, Antarctica just seems to change a lot. And uh, um, throughout the season when you're there, it changes. It, you know, sometimes quite subtly, but also you're getting to see 
different parts of Antarctica. And actually, Antarctica has really, really very different aspects to it. When we go to the mountains, you've got 1.2-kilometer mountains that are like pillars of rock that just come out of the, out of the snow. I mean, they're, they're totally different from anything like you know, Table Mountain in Cape Town. And then you go to the emperor colony, you have these twisted icebergs with all the emperors surrounded amongst them. You know, there's just really beautiful and very different areas there. Well, it sounds absolutely fabulous, and I wish you a, a fabulous trip next time. I'm sure you're going to be heading off there soon, and this year sometime I'm assuming you'll be heading off again. But thank you so much for joining us on the show and for telling us a little bit about this wonderful white world down there at the South Pole. Thank absolute you so pleasure. much. Patrick Woodhead is the Managing Director of White Desert, and if you'd like to find out about their trips and about all the different things they do down at the, at, in Antarctica and at the South Pole, take a look at the website. It's wwwwhite Desert. Dot com And for more information on this, if you'd like to pick up the, any details that you've missed, have a look at the Facebook page. It's Travel on SAFM or email me at travel at safm.co.za.